today I proclaim there is no other king, and he is worthy. This past week, Chad and I were in his office looking at some videos, preparing for this weekend, and this video that I just showed came up, and I said, Chad, we, we played that last year at Easter. I don't want to play it again. He said, well, just watch it. Just watch it. We looked through several. And as I watched that one, uh, I felt tears coming down my eyes. I said, okay, you can put it in the schedule. <laughs> there is no other king, and I hope that's why you're here today. I hope that right now you understand this truth about Resurrection Day. All around the world, all over the earth today, people are celebrating a single truth, that a man went into the grave, and he got up and he walked out and he turned around and he said two words to all of mankind, follow me. Follow me into the resurrection. The Jewish people on the earth today are celebrating the Passover, the idea that death could pass over your house. It is the resurrection. The largest event in human history. We celebrate today the largest event in human history. No, I am not referring to Elon Musk buying Twitter. <laughs> it is the largest event in human history when a man proved he had the power over our greatest enemy, death and the grave. This is so big. So big. Why? Because it is our only hope of life beyond the grave. You're going to hear me say this a lot today. What Jesus did that day 2,000 years ago was prove that human life could resume after death. It had never been true before. It had not happened before. But now human life can resume. Not resume in a different person. Not another person coming to you. You. You can resume life even after the grave. Everyone would welcome this good news. This is the ultimate good news, right? Everyone hearing this news would smile. Everyone hearing this news would celebrate and say, Hosanna, hallelujah, right? That's where we're going today with this question. Everyone would welcome this good news that there is a resurrection of the dead into eternal life. That human life could actually resume if the heart stopped beating, if the, if the air stopped breathing. That human life could actually restart. So let's begin on this Easter Sunday with a preview demonstration of the resurrection of the dead. Do you know that about two, maybe three weeks before Jesus goes to Jerusalem to die, that he gives us a preview of the resurrection. Have you ever thought about Jesus' raising of four-day dead Lazarus as a preview event of what he was going to do just a couple of weeks later? Today, it is my goal to connect the dots between Jesus' raising of Lazarus and then a couple of weeks later, Jesus himself being raised from the dead, giving us a way for the first time in human history, a way where we can find eternal life through his name. Confidence. Confidence that human life can actually resume, even if you die. 
It's interesting to me that the raising of Lazarus from the grave is only recorded in one of the four Gospels. It's in the Gospel of John. The event takes place shortly, just maybe a couple of weeks, before Jesus enters Jerusalem to die on the cross. And I want you today to consider this Lazarus event in this way. I want you to consider it, it's a preview so that this preview will reveal things about Easter that you never knew before. So here we go. John 11, verse 1. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany. Let me just tell you, that's less than two miles outside Jerusalem. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Martha, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, about Lazarus's sickness, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Lazarus needs to die. Does that sound crazy? It does, doesn't it? Lazarus needs to die. I know it sounds crazy, but Lazarus needs to die so that Jesus in this scene might reveal his true identity. Jesus is going to deliberately stay away from Bethany so Lazarus can die. It's necessary. It's God's plan. It's God's glorious plan. Lazarus must die. It's God's method to reveal the Son of God, giving Him glory and revealing His ultimate authority over what? Sin, death, the grave. Jesus' statement to His disciples after receiving the news of Lazarus' sickness is very important. Many people just read over it, but it's not something to read over. It is a preview. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It will begin with death. Lazarus must die, but it will not end in death. The resurrection is the only way to make this happen. Jesus is going to prove that human life can actually resume after death. Now, I'm sure most of you in the room today understand or know this story of Lazarus. But here we go. When Jesus finally arrives back in Bethany, Lazarus has been, are you ready? He's been dead and buried for four days. Four days. Four days over what I call the big red line. Four days past death day. Jesus is, first, he comes into town, into Bethany, and he encounters Lazarus' sister, Martha, as he comes into town. And let's just be honest, she's not very happy with Jesus' speed of travel. She thinks you're too slow and you're too late. Anybody ever been in the Martha situation where you look at Jesus and say, you're too slow and you're too late? Well, he's neither. In verse 20, when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. 
Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you'd have been here before he went over that red line. If only you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you, Jesus, whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Now, now put yourself in this scene. And what did he just say? Your brother's going to rise again. Just like, well, it's okay. It's all right. He's going to rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the resurrection of the last day. So let's focus on what Martha knows here as Jesus arrives in town. She's thinking, if you'd have been here when I sent for you, kind of see that in her voice? And when, if you'd have came when I told you, you could have stopped Lazarus from crossing that big red line. So what does Martha know? She states, so I suppose she knows, that Martha knows Jesus has power over death. If you get here before the red line. Number two, Martha knows that Jesus can ask and receive anything and everything from the God the Father in heaven. And number three, Martha knows, I kind of find this one surprising, she knows about the resurrection of the last day. When everyone will rise. Now, I got to tell you, Martha knows a lot. I assume she knows a lot more than many around her knew at that time. And she knows a lot more than many people know today. But there is something that Martha doesn't know. And that's why Jesus is four days late and right on time. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Martha is not the only person in the crowd that day. Jesus' disciples are there. And they are all about to learn something new, something they didn't already know, something bigger than death's big red line. Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. Here we go. Human life can resume after you stop breathing. Now, what is bigger than this big red line? Now, I ask that in reality. How many of you all have been to funerals? How many of you have been to graveyards? And you understand about the big red line, that people don't cross that red line and then jump back over. When you cross that big red line, you cross that big red line. So what's bigger? The source of life before and the source of life after are bigger than any red line you will ever face. And it's about to be revealed in this Lazarus scene. Remember, this is in a graveyard. This is a graveyard scene. What better place for Jesus' response to, I know my brother will rise again on the resurrection of the last day, John eleven twenty four. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everybody else rises. And Jesus told her, here it comes, here it comes. Here's the revelation. I am the resurrection. You think she's getting it? No, not yet, not yet. It's just right over her head. I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live, even after the red line, even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, that's a big word, never die. Do you believe this, Martha? 
What's he saying to her? What's he saying to you and I today on this Easter? I am the resurrection. You know what that means? I want you to picture the scene, the beginning and the end of life. He says, I am the resurrection. I'm over here on the other side of death. I am the resurrection, which means I am life after life. I am the life. I am life before life. I am before, I am after. He is the very source and the originator of life itself. Let me illustrate it like this. Watch this. It kind of feels good to do that after three services there. So why don't you try it? You do it with me. Don't pass out, but try it one more time. You know you will not do that after you die. It is the breath of life. You can't get it from any hospital or from any vaccine or from any governmental agency. Jesus is announcing to her that I am that in you right now. I am that life. And I've been around people in hospitals and watched them when that last one comes out. And they, and it's over. And that body becomes a corpse. And he's revealing to Martha in this scene that that's me. Do you understand? That's me. I am the resurrection and I am the life. And whoever believes in me will live, even after dying. And whoever lives and believes in me, well, they'll never die. Do you believe this? He is the afterlife. He is the I am. He's the resurrection from the dead. The one that you're going to meet beyond the grave. He is the before life, the originator of the breath of life, before human conception, before your parents even met each other. He is I am. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. And this is so big. He has just revealed his power and his authority over life and death to Martha. And by the way, the four-day dead red line means nothing to him. Nothing. Jesus is describing the fundamentals of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To us then, uh, to us today, and to them, that two things, two things. I want you to notice in this sentence. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. That would cover anyone who will die before the return of Christ. Are you getting it? Even after dying. That would cover anybody who has died since Jesus until Jesus comes back. And it also applies to four-day dead Lazarus. And then he says, and everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die. Jesus reveals the reality of the believer's soul. The reality of the believer's soul versus the believer's body. That humans can resume life after you breathe that last breath. That life can come back and resume inside of a human. And you are not the body, you are the soul. Bear in mind, these two Jesus statements of truth only apply to believers. So if you're listening today, understand that these truths are being revealed, but they only have application to those who have faith, only have application to those who actually believe it. Do you think Martha can handle all this? This wonderful good news? Did you notice that Jesus ends that truth moment with this? Do you believe this, Martha? I have often thought of this simple truth. In all of human history, even unto eternity itself, will be determined by how a person 
answers the four-word question at the end of Jesus' statement. Do you believe this? It's called faith. It's Easter's big question. Faith, I must tell you, is not an almost event. It is not a little bit event. Faith is an all-in, yes, Lord event. Yes, I believe that you are the resurrection. Yes, I believe that you are the life. Yes, I believe that anyone who believes in you will live, even if you die. So why would anybody, church, why would anybody in the church be afraid to die? Do you believe this? You see, faith is to be sure. Faith is to be certain. Faith is to be confident, to be secure, trusting that God is able to fulfill every promise that is made through Jesus Christ our Lord. Takes away the fear of death. And let me make something clear on that point. I can honestly say, unless I am deceived, and I don't think I am, I can honestly say that I do not fear death. I do not fear death. I do not fear death. I fear the process of dying. So I'll just be honest. The idea that I will one day die is not a fearful thought because I believe in the resurrection. I fear the idea that it might be a long sickness that would lead to dying. You see the difference? Jesus is making a promise in the graveyard. And then and now he's in a graveyard revealing his true identity and he's making a promise. And today I'm going to ask all of you in the room, do you believe him and are you sure? And here's why. I think a lot of people believe it a little bit. And a lot of people hope that it's true. But that does not mean you believe it. Faith is sure and confident. Do you believe him? And why do people die in the first place? The Bible says clearly that sin equals death 100% of the time. Sin equals death. It's God's mathematical truth. Sin equals death. So I want you to hear a word from God today. Here's the word. Your sin sickness will not end in death. What, what did he say? Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Today, I want you to hear a word from God. Your sin sickness does not have to end in death. God has bound himself with an oath. And God has given us a promise. Jesus has made some very specific promises to believers. But it's to believers. It only applies to believers if you believe him, that your sin sickness and sin equals death 100% of the time doesn't have to end in death. That human life can resume even after the grave. Jesus has made this statement. Listen carefully. I am the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in me will live, even if you die. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you see how big this is? Why Jesus needed to come four days after Lazarus' physical death. Four days past the red line to reveal this. And I'm going to ask you, can you, do you trust God's Word? Do you trust Him? In Hebrews 6, 17, let's just take a test. God also bound Himself with an oath. 
so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. What do you want from him? He's given his promise and he's given you his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, into the God's presence. Jesus didn't just come and give some nice words to Martha, some encouragement to Martha. Your, your brother will rise on the resurrection of the last day. Bye, I'll see you later. He didn't do that, did he? Remember, it's a preview event. I'll show you in a minute why I keep saying that. So let's go back to Lazarus, verse 34. Where have you put him? Now, when I, when I, Jesus said, where have you put him? I want you to picture Martha and the crowd. What's, what's he going to do? Oh, no. What's he going to do? What's he going to, where have you put him? These are real people experiencing a real moment. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. But some said, this man healed a blind man. Jesus healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? You see, they got that red line problem too. If you'd been here before, but nobody comes back from the red line, right? Jesus was still angry. And why is he angry? Death is the enemy. He's angry. He's confronting the enemy. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Anybody see the preview? Stay with me. This is a preview of an event that's going to take place two weeks later. Roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, what? Oh no, what's he going to do? Oh, roll the stone aside. Jesus told them, but Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell! These are real situation. It's real. She's alarmed. Is he going to dishonor our family? What's he about to do? And there's people here. It's my brother. Can she handle what's about to take place? Do you believe this, Martha? You remember that statement? Do you believe this, Martha? Now, now listen. At this point, I think she still doesn't get it. But she's about to. She told him that she believed he was the Messiah. Go read the text. She believes he's the Son of God, and yet she still thought the red line was too big for him. In her mind, it still comes down to this. If you'd have been here before, you could have, but now you can't. And that's why I waited four days. Verse 40. And Jesus replied, I love the sentence. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. 
You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they would believe that you sent me. And then Jesus shouted. I'm not going to read over that. He, I like that part. He shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and his feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Did he really need to tell them that last part? You can take that stuff off of him. You can take it off. He's, he's okay. In that moment, he is doing something that's never been done. Human life can resume even after four days. This part is very important. In fact, there's where we turn the corner. Jesus shouted. This is all done in public. This is done, listen, in front of a bunch of witnesses. Jesus is revealing his power over death and the grave and the big red line, and he's doing it in public, and he's doing it in a bunch of witnesses so that they can see for themselves with their own eyes what? Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. He is revealing in this scene his true identity in public to many people. This is very important to understand. It is a fundamental truth that applies to all of us today. I am the resurrection. It's not that I know about the resurrection. The resurrection is me. I'm it. I'm the one you're going to meet after the grave, one way or the other. I am the life, the very source and the originator of life, the breath of life itself. Before your conception, I am. He is I am. That's the name that God revealed to Moses 1,500 years before. He is the afterlife. I am the resurrection from the dead. Every knee is going to bow to him and every tongue is going to confess to him in the afterlife. He is the before life. He is the originator of the breath of life itself before your mother's womb. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. This is so, so big. And he has just revealed his power and his authority over life and death to a bunch of witnesses shouting it. Lazarus, come out. You can resume your life because I called your name. Come out. Now, here we go. Let's put you in that scene in that moment, and I'll ask the question, who in the world could keep this a secret? Could you leave there that day and say, um, go, go home to the missus and say, uh, she says, where have you been? Well, I went down to visit with Mary and Martha. And, uh, you know, Lazarus came out. What's for supper? <laughs> this is big, right? This is, this is like the biggest big of all bigs, right? And, and right now, maybe you're in the room today. Maybe you're listening to me and saying, I don't really know why you're making such a big deal out of this. One day you will. I can assure you one day it'll be the biggest big of all bigs you ever got in touch with. <laughs> that you can resume life after the grave? Yeah, you can. When he calls your name and he rolls away that stone. Who could keep it a secret? And here's the second part. Who doesn't like good news? I mean, can you rank a bigger good news than this good news? This would change everything. Everything that you and I know about life 
would change in that scene that day when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Everything changed. Do you understand how big this is? This is the cure to death. It cures death. Let me prove it to you. I'm going to give you, I need to give you a comparison, okay? We have spent the last two years in a pandemic. But I need for you to understand something to get the contrast between these two scenes. We have spent the last two years in a pandemic, but the truth is this. The truth is this. COVID has a mortality rate of 2%. Now, I am not making light of COVID. I have buried several people in this church with COVID. So if you know me, I'm not making light of the sickness. It is real, but it has a 2% mortality rate. 2%. Do you understand? What would people give during these last two years to cure COVID? Everything. Do you understand? Do you understand how big a deal it is when a man can walk out of a grave? We've had a 2% mortality rate. 2%. That means 98% of the people live through it. How much would people give to cure COVID? And that mortality rate is just 2%. My point is, do you understand how big Lazarus's event is? Now, for the real reason I preach this particular message on Easter. Are you ready? Because most people in the church know about Easter and the resurrection of Jesus. What most people don't know is before. That's why I preach this message today. That resurrection of Lazarus event did not end with that verse I just read. This is why I preach the message today on the biggest day in the church. Go to verse 45. Many of the people who were with Mary, now we're in the graveyard, okay, and Lazarus has just come out. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. You think? Let that sink in for a moment. You think that you watch a dead man come out of the grave and now, okay, I believe in you now. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And then the leading priest and the Pharisees called the council together. What are we going to do? Huh? What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. What are we going to do? What? The word is out. Four-day dead Lazarus is now alive. Human life has resumed four days past death day. Isn't this great news? What do you mean? Only thing you should have to do is go tell somebody. This is the biggest big good news that's ever been made. What, do you, what are we going to do? This man certainly, notice their comment. This man certainly performs many miraculous signs. He has the power over the big red line. There were so many witnesses. Here's the truth. There were so many witnesses to this event that they could not deny the miracle itself. They could not deny this is a supernatural move of God among us. They couldn't deny the miracle. Listen, here it goes. They couldn't deny the miracle. 
but they still opposed him. Why? Listen carefully. Here's why I preach the sermon today. They could not deny the reality of the resurrected Lazarus, but they still opposed him. Why? Next verse, verse 48. If we allow him to go on like this, soon everyone will believe in him. Wouldn't that be a good thing? And then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. What are we going to do? If we allow him to continue, the spirit war is revealed. Church, the reason I preach this sermon on the biggest Sunday of the year is that much of the church still isn't getting it either. There is a spiritual war that is raging and there it is manifest. It is in this same scene, I don't have time to read it all, that the high priest Caiaphas declared, he actually prophesied that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. This was God's unstoppable plan. Jesus would suffer many things. He would be crucified and he would raise from the dead on the third day. This prophecy comes out of Lazarus's resurrection. This is so, so big. It's a preview. John eleven fifty three. Okay, here's the connection. Lazarus to Jesus' resurrection. So from that time on, what's the time? Lazarus' resurrection. From that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Based on what? Based on what? If we let him keep going, the whole world's going to believe in him. And we can't have that. Lazarus was the preview event. Lazarus must die. Can you see it? They couldn't. And my fear is that much of the church still doesn't. I call it the spirit war. The spiritual war that rages in the heavenly realms is all around us then and now. That's why Jesus said that when I send the church out during the church age, you will be out like sheep among wolves. They said, if, you, if we don't stop this Jesus, if we don't stop this message, this red line resurrection of the dead message of Jesus, soon everyone will believe in him and experience the resurrection of eternal life. And I ask you a question today. Who would want to stop the resurrection of eternal life? You're, you're forced today to answer the question. In your mind, who in the world would oppose the resurrections of humans into eternal life? Do you want the real answer today? Let me put it another way. Who would oppose, who would be against life? There is one. It's a spiritual war. And church, you will never be effective inside the spiritual war until you acknowledge the war. Never. This is, there's one more scene that puts all of this together. So stay with me. This will help answer the previous question. Who would want to stop the resurrection of humans from the dead, give them eternal life? Who would be against life? So let's fast forward. Pause in that story. 
Let's fast forward just a bit of time, maybe two weeks, to the final event of John's gospel before Jesus enters Jerusalem to die on the cross. Jesus has returned to Bethany, okay? Just outside Jerusalem, he's going back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, but this time, this time, this time Lazarus is alive. And wow, does Lazarus have a testimony? Yes, he does. So let's go to John 12, verse 9, just about two weeks after the, resur uh, the resurrection of Lazarus. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see who? Say it out loud. Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus. Huh? The leading priest decided at that moment, everybody's flocking to see Jesus, and they want to see Lazarus, right? So they decided, let's kill Lazarus too. For it was because of him, because of Lazarus, that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Now, listen, it might be difficult, but we might be able to comprehend why they would plot to kill Jesus when you look at the prophecy of the high priest Caiaphas when he said that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than the whole nation be destroyed. Okay, that might be. And also, if you look at Isaiah's prophecy 750 years before Christ, what? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace were upon, is upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. So if you put all that in there, you might understand why they would plot to kill Jesus. Maybe, maybe. But let's kill Lazarus? Why would you kill Lazarus? What did Lazarus do? Why kill Lazarus? When you're able to answer that question, church, you will understand much of the struggles of the true church of Jesus Christ. And you will understand specifically why Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. We are in a spirit war. Why kill Lazarus? What? possible reason, physical or spiritual. Why kill Lazarus? Here comes the answer. Here's my answer. Lazarus was undeniable, irrefutable, physical evidence of what happens when a person encounters the resurrection in the life. Do you need it again? He is physical evidence, irrefutable, physical evidence. You can't argue and say, you weren't really dead. You can't argue. It's physical evidence. There's witnesses. There's a bunch of people there. He is evidence of what happens when someone meets the I am, the resurrection. I am the life. Do you get it this Easter? Do you know why the spirit of Antichrist? The Bible says that since the time of Jesus until today, the spirit of Antichrist is at work trying to thwart the work of Jesus Christ. Do you understand today why the spirit of Antichrist wants to kill the undeniable and irrefutable evidence of Jesus? The Bible doesn't record any fantastic stories of Lazarus' four-day journey into the grave. As far as I know, Lazarus didn't publish a best-selling book called Four Days in Paradise. No, the Bible doesn't list. Do you know this? The Bible doesn't list a single word of Lazarus after the resurrection. 
Why do you think? I mean, this is a big deal, right? It's a preview to Jesus himself. Why do you think? This is not about Lazarus. This is about what happens when dead people encounter the resurrection and the life. Now, I need to tell you something. Some of you may be wondering how all this is going to put together. I need to go on and put this out right now. You and I are the Lazarus in the story. And the reason the world opposes the church is that we who have met the resurrection and the life are irrefutable evidence of what happens when a person is transformed and we come out of that grave. And the spirit of Antichrist tries to silence us. And what Jesus came to do is to roll the stone away and call your name. So when we wrap this up today, I want you to understand you are that Lazarus. Lazarus would just be another dead guy without Jesus. And why preach this sermon on Easter? Because I feel like many in the church still don't understand why the world opposes you. I mean, let's be honest. I look around and look at most of you, and most of you are pretty nice people. There are a few of you that are scoundrels. <laughs> I won't call your names, but there are a few. And we think, you know what, we're pretty nice people, you know, so why does the world look at us and, and mock our faith or mock us individually? You don't understand why they oppose the church or why they oppose you as being part of the, why the whole sheep among wolves thing? You still don't get it. Why did they want to kill Lazarus? I mean, come on, give the guy a break. He's already died once. Why? Why? Because see, church, you will never be effective in the calling of Christ until you understand this question. Why do they want to kill Lazarus? Of all things. Here's the answer, John 15. Jesus says, if the world hates you, and you're the Lazarus in the story. If the world hates you, remember it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if, if, if you belong to it. But you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out. I chose you to, I chose you to come out of the world. Okay, so Lazarus is behind this stone in a four-day dead grave, and I chose you to come out. I, I, Lazarus! I chose you to come out. You, do you want to stay in the grave? You can. You'll belong to the world. They'll all die in the grave. They'll not come out. But he's offered to move the stone away. Call your name. She said they didn't, they didn't want to kill Lazarus because he was Lazarus. They wanted to kill Lazarus because he belonged to Jesus. Is anybody listening? Lazarus was undeniable, irrefutable physical evidence of what happens when a person encounters the resurrection and the life. And the Apostle John warned us. In fact, this was, part, this was really interesting to me when I was studying the Scripture. The Apostle John in the church age, which is us, he warned us. Here's what he said. 1 John 3, he said, So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Even though you think you're a pretty lovable, nice guy, don't be surprised if the world just, they just don't like you. Let's kill Lazarus. And, and the apostle Peter, he warns us. It's also written to the church. 1 Peter 4. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad. 
For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So be happy when you're insulted. It's hard. Be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. So there's John, he gave us a warning, and, and then Peter gives us a warning, here comes the Apostle Paul. He does it too. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the message of the cross, I'm going to hold it up. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. Now, here's my point. Some churches, many churches today, think that the world would like us more if we would just leave out certain parts of this. We, we think that, that if we would just leave out the offensive parts, that the world would like, that the wolves would like us more. But I got to tell you the truth. If you leave out any portion of the Bible, you leave out... Jesus. And in essence, you join the foolish world and become a wolf. Some today believe that if the sheep would modify the message, just soften it up a little bit, just don't, don't dwell on those sections, the wolves wouldn't want to eat us anymore. Let's kill Lazarus. Do you see? Let's kill Lazarus. Let's attack anyone who has encountered the resurrection and the life. Let's kill Lazarus. The only way the wolves are going to stop wanting to eat the sheep is if the wolves become sheep by meeting Jesus. And that's the truth. That's why we keep preaching the pure message of Christ to the wolves and to the sheep. So here comes my closing today. Why this message on Easter? The Lord told us. Listen carefully. Ultimately, this is my reason today. The Lord told us it's going to get really, 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 really hard to be a Christian in the last days before our king arrives for his bride, the church. I want everybody to hear it. What you do with it will be on you, but somebody told you. The Lord told us it's going to get really, 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 really hard to hold on your faith in the days leading up to the king's return for his bride, the church. The wolves are getting very hungry. Let's kill Lazarus. They will want to kill or silence anyone who is a Lazarus. Anyone who has been changed by Jesus, who has encountered the resurrection and the life. Anyone who is a witness of Jesus' power to save us from sin, death, and the grave is a Lazarus today. We are the sheep among the wolves John warned us, I read it. Peter warned us, I read it. Paul warned us, I read it. Now this warning from Jesus. And what you do with it, I'll say again, it'll be on you. But somebody told you. Here's what Jesus' warning is about today's topic. Matthew 24, 7. Nation will go to war against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And then you will be arrested. Let's kill Lazarus. And then you'll be persecuted. Let's kill Lazarus. And then you'll be killed. 
Let's kill Lazarus. Do you see it? You will be hated all over the world for one reason. You are my followers. And many will turn away. I wish he didn't use the word many. And I got to tell you, are you ready? This is the church. It's not pagans. It's not unbelievers. These are church people. And many will turn away from me and they will hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. A lot of minis in there. And sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many and the love of many. These are church people. And the love of many will grow cold. Why? Why is it growing cold? Because they faced opposition. They were not prepared for the opposition. They couldn't deal with the fact that the world didn't like them anymore. And that the, you were separate from the world. They couldn't deal with it. And the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13. But the one who endures to the end. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You and I are going to have to deal with that sin. That's the truth. The one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom, it's unstoppable. It will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it. It's unstoppable regardless of what the wolves do. And then the end will come. Today on this Easter Sunday, I ask all of you a question. Do you want the resurrection of Jesus to be your resurrection from the dead? Do you want you to experience what he did? Do you want to be a Lazarus? Because here's the deal. Whether you know it or not, whether you've ever thought of it in this perspective or not, you and I are Lazarus. We are the walking dead. Sin equals death. We will find ourselves in a tomb behind a great wall, a stone that you and I cannot move. And today, the mercy and grace of God has called your name. And He wants to move the stone out of the way and say, Terry, come out! And he puts your name, come out of the grave. If you end up in the grave permanently, it'll be because of one reason. It won't be because God did it. It won't be because Jesus did it. It's because you did it. Because you refused to hear his voice and allow him to move the stone so that you might come out. Do you want this resurrection? Jesus announced his resurrection beforehand at the Lazarus event when he said, I am the resurrection. It's called faith. And today, faith is a four-word question. Put up that scripture, uh, John eleven twenty-five. 25. There it goes. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Next scene. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever Duh. Do you believe this? In NLT it says Martha. And I'm going to ask all of you today, have you, have you written your name here in the presence of God? Do you believe this? That's you. Whether you've ever thought of it like this or not, I'm asking you today, is this, this is you. Do you believe 
this. Today, God is calling us to be a Lazarus. To be a modern-day Lazarus, a physical example of a person who has encountered the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. When a dead man in a grave with a stone that I cannot move hears his voice. But they might try to kill me. Preacher, you're right. They might try to kill you. We are sheep among wolves. In fact, you, don't, you want the truth? They killed Peter. You want the truth? They killed Andrew. They killed James and they killed Paul. The wolves killed all of them except John. But where do you think those men are today? Ultimately, you better ask yourself the question. Yeah, they killed Peter and Andrew and James. But where are they today? If you've learned anything today, remember this. Lazarus needed to die. Jesus, on purpose, waited four days to bring glory to God and reveal the Son. We too must die. We too must die to be born again. For the glory of God to be revealed in us and through us, we must become a Lazarus. We too must die. Do you understand what that means? I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about a spiritual death. And it is the very thing that you don't want to do that you have to do. Jesus makes it very clear. Mark 8, 34. Then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he, Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower... So let's do something silly on this Easter. Any of you want to be Jesus' follower, raise your hand. Okay, that's a pretty good number. Now he's going to tell you what you got to do. All right? And I'm going to see where you still have your hand up when he finishes. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn, number one, from your self-centered life. Well, I don't even want to think that's a good idea. Well, you'll need to. Because if you don't turn from your self-centered life, you're going to be Lazarus in there and the stone will not be moved. And you cannot move the stone. And you will die in that grave and that grave is hell. The most horrible thing you will ever imagine because you're not going to be unconscious. You're going to be conscious. And you're going to be in a darkness that you will never escape from. Knowing all along that he offered you life. He offered to take the stone away and call your name out. But number one, you must turn from your selfish ways. Number two, you must take up a cross. Lazarus must die. You must die. What did you think a cross was for? A necklace around your neck? You must die. You, you turn from your selfish ways. You must take up a cross. And then, then you can follow me. Lazarus, come out. Then you can follow him. You can be a testimony to his glory. Here comes 35. Here's the warning. If you try to hang on to your life, which means what? I have no intentions of giving up my self-centered life. I have no intentions of taking up a cross and dying spiritually to myself, that he might reign in me. I have no intention of following him, except maybe on Easter. If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose your life. And today, the mercy and grace of God had somebody to tell you. You're, gonna, you're going to lose your life. That stone will not be rolled away and you will remain in that dark hole forever. Conscious darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. Do you understand why this is the biggest good news that's ever been made on earth? 
If you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, and for the gospel, this right here, you will save it. Jesus said Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. Jesus didn't leave Lazarus in the grave. Jesus has promised that he will not abandon us to the grave either. Our sin sickness, our suffering, our persecution, whatever the wolves might do to the sheep, they will not end in death. They will not end in death. There might be death. There might be suffering. There might be hardship. There might be all kinds of things. But he will not end in death. It's called the resurrection. When human life can resume after the grave. Do you believe this? It's Easter's big question. You say, they, they killed Jesus. They tried to silence Jesus. And you know how they tried to silence Jesus? With a grave. But it didn't work, did it? They could not stop him. He rose from the dead to take his place at the right hand of God. And all who are in Christ will join him there one day, either through the grave or through the trumpet. Because of Jesus, our sickness, our sin sickness, it will not end in death. And do you believe this? Do you want to be a Lazarus? Are you sure? What about the wolves? What about the wolves? They cry out, let's kill Lazarus. These past two years, these past two years of COVID have truly changed the world. Do you know why? I mean, there might be a lot of things you would argue with me about today, but I think it's pretty much known that the last two years have changed planet Earth. Everything is different. Do you know why? Because I have this conclusion. Here it is. Fear of death. Do you doubt that? Why has the whole world changed in the last two years? Fear of death. We're going to die! Two years of governments and health officials falling over themselves because of a sickness with a 2% mortality rate. Death, on the other hand, has a mortality rate of 100%. Is anybody listening? Death, on the other hand, has a mortality rate of 100%. And everyone has been infected by a contagion called sin. Everyone, it's 100%. The governors around America back at Easter of 2020 closed church services. Our governor in Kentucky closed church services in Easter of 2020. I'm still not fully recovered from that. Let that sink in for a moment. You know what that said to me? Let's kill Lazarus. You see, the gospel message of Jesus Christ promises a 100% survival rate. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah? Do you believe this? The gospel message of Jesus Christ promises a 100% survival rate. It's called the resurrection of the dead. That even if you die, you're raised. Even if you die. But the problem is, many people philosophically believe it, but they don't believe it in reality. So thus they're afraid of death. Do you believe this? Are you sure? So they're closing down the churches, the one source of 100% survival. Let's kill Lazarus. Do you see the spirit war? 
Today I've got some really good news. Human life can resume after the grave. And God, I'll ask Chad to come on out. And God has asked, invited you to become a modern day Lazarus. And the deal with that modern day Lazarus thing is that he will come and roll away your stone and call your name and you'll come out and your human life will become eternal. Last week when I preached that sermon about sheep and wolves, I I mentioned one of Jesus' statements when he said, you fools. It's kind of a harsh statement when Jesus says, you fools. And it's in the context of this, and this will be uh, the last thing I talk about. He says, you fools, you can interpret the weather signs that when, when the south wind blows, you, you know it's going to be a scorcher. And when the clouds do this, you know it's going to rain. And you can look and you can see that and you can interpret them and know how to respond. And he says, you fools. Can't you interpret the signs of the times? Would he say that to us today? We're just two years into a past a pandemic. The whole world has changed. Everything that he's announced about the future of a one-world government, a one-world currency, a one-world ruler, all have already taken everything in shape to be put in place. Can you interpret the signs? How much more time do you think he's going to give us? You fools. He said it, not me. You fools. You interpret all these things, and you know how to prepare for all these things, but the one thing most important, you ignore So today we're going to sing a song. And in this song, it is his invitation for you to become a Lazarus. And he's offered, he's offered every one of you. He'll take that stone away and call your name. You can come out and have life, forever life. But the only way you'd actually do that is you believed it. But I've got to tell you this today. If you refuse to listen to this voice, you will remain in that grave. It will take hold of you and it will never let go of you. Never. And you will know in that grave that he didn't do it, you did it. You did it. You did it. He called. He called, but you refused to listen. Father, thank you for Easter. Thank you for the story of Lazarus when you revealed you're the resurrection, you're the life. You called, you shouted, come out. Today you shout, come out. We don't have to die. We don't have to stay behind the grave. We can come out. So today, do your work. Move among us. Give us ears to hear. Move among your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The invitation's open. We'll stand together.